It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Alita, Battle Angel. Hey, Movie Maniacs, my name is Sky, and I'm joined once again by my brother, Dusty. Dust, what is the haps? Dude, I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? Oh, really good, man. It's been nice and sunny here last week, like six days in a row of rain, which is great. California needs it. You know, plenty of snow up in the mountains with that rain as well. But the past two days, beautiful and sunny. I, I love how, you know, I love the rain, but I do love how when it goes from rainy to sunny, it feels, everything feels fresh, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And in Arizona, where I live, we don't get a ton of rain, but we have been getting quite a bit. Um, in in general, I really love being in um, in Phoenix because Phoenix is really like the skies are so much clearer. Like where we grew up, grew up, yeah, where we grew up in Fresno, where you currently live now, it gets um, smoggy. Like all the smog from San Francisco blows into the valley, which is absolutely horrible. So you barely can't even see the sun. It kind of seemed like. But yeah, here in Phoenix, it's like blue skies. It's it's terrific. Even though it gets hot, you know, oh well, it gets hot. But uh, I went hiking the other day. So when you come out to visit us, there is um, a good amount of mountains or like they're they're like almost like hills, but a little bit bigger. But we can go hiking and um, it's basically in the middle of Phoenix, just a, a crop of um, mountains just kind of pop up and there's good hike that we can a couple good hikes that we can take so when you come out here we'll be doing that and the views are super awesome like you can see the entire valley you can see the downtown phoenix with all the big um all the huge huge you know skyscrapers you you can look down to the north or up to the north where you see like huge mountain peaks that have snow on it just really really cool nice man and that reminds me denise and mason uh they are up at sonora for you know Fresno uh, and Clovis, sixth grade, the big field trip for sixth graders is going to Sonora. So that's where they're at right now. Denise is a chaperone. Very cool. Yep. And it actually snowed on them yesterday after they got up there. So they were walking around doing whatever kind of camp stuff they do, but it was snowing at the time. So they were having a good time. Hey, so I also have right now, um, they just literally just left, but I had missionary friends from Germany. So Christian missionaries from Germany come and visiting us and saying hi and hanging out with them. I took them um, shooting yesterday to the gun range. And, you know, in Germany, uh, there's no freedom there, so you can't have any guns. And so I took them shooting and they had a blast. And you, you know, the son was, he's 10 or 11. He was so skittish and hesitant. You know, he's like, I don't want to shoot. I don't want to shoot. I said, you're going to do it. And his dad said, yes, you're going to do it. And he got out there and started shooting. And, uh, you know, kids, just in like two seconds, he picked it up and he was like, <laughs> just laying out all the lead down the range. It was awesome. And he loved it. Do you ever take your boys uh, shooting or anything like that? No, we don't. The only time we've ever gone is when we went up camping with you uh, up in the Sierra Nevadas and, and shot some handguns and shotguns up there. Um, but I never take them. We have home defense, one handgun and some shotguns, but it's just something we haven't really done yet, you know, but they did enjoy it when we went as a family. Got it. We're mm-hmm. going to have to do that. When you guys come into town, I'm going to take you guys and we're going to have to do it. The kids are free We know at the gun range. And um, yeah, yeah, we just, just have lots of fun, especially when you have, uh, you know, California, they have um, reduced capacity magazines. They call it high capacity versus regular. Anyways, they, you only have 10 rounds. Well, in uh, when you live in America, you can have as many rounds as you want. So when you live in California, then you can't. So we'll have fun. I have a whole like uh, uh, 50 round drum uh, magazine that holds 50 rounds and you just go, bah, 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 you just keep going. So we're going to have fun doing that. Wow. That sounds good. How many, um, how much is each of those bullets in that 50 round mag? Probably about in this one, it's a two, two, three, um, uh, so the caliber of the bullet. It's usually around 25 to 30 cents. Oh, Okay. Gotcha. So for the full 50, you're looking at $15 worth of bullets in like five seconds. Yeah, I don't think about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just buy, I, I know, hey, we're having fun. It's a good time. And yeah, you, you, when you think about it, it's a lot of money. But at the same time, I buy it all beforehand. I buy it as bulk as I can so that it gets the dollar, sorry, the price per round down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you're firing, I literally, like that side of my brain shuts off. Like when I'm buying them, that's when I'm concerned about it. You're like, okay, I got to make sure I get a good deal, get the good price, best ammunition. But then when I go out there, I honestly, I don't even think about the price per shot 
because I'm like, okay, it's it's already done. Now I just own it. <laughs> you know, if I yeah. if I had to go to the store and buy it, then go shooting, I'd be like, oh, it's the the, the transaction's too close to actually using it. <laughs> I went since I bought it like you know six months to a year ago. I'm like, ah, we just already have it. It's already been paid for. We're good. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. I like that kind of rationale, that thinking too. Because when I go play paintball, sometimes it's tough uh, spending 45 bucks on a new case of paintball, breaking into it like two minutes later. Um, yeah. And then by the end of the day, you don't have any more paintball. So, you know, $45 just gone right there. It was yeah. a lot of fun, but you feel that hit because you're right. It takes place right before you actually use them. Yeah, and you can't buy paintballs in advance because it'll harden and you know just get bad. So you got to buy well, it right. You can you buy them. them in advance, but a lot of fields say field paint only, and oh. they'll stop you if they see you coming in with paint well, uh, shoot. from an outside source. Shoot, yeah, that's a great way to get a captive audience where they're paying you money. Um, you require them to pay you money. That's good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They got a good thing going on there. Um, well, let's get to the movie. Um, I got to tell you, Dust, I really, really enjoyed it. Probably one of the best, if not the best ever, manga-turned-Hollywood uh, movie, you know? Dude, I hated it. Really? I'm just kidding. No, not oh, really. Oh, my God. You're, you're going to shock me right there because this movie seems, for you and I both, this seems right up our alley. I mean, I think, you know, who knows? I give it an A for sure, and I could see you giving it a B, but I couldn't see you going below a C for this movie. No, I definitely wholeheartedly, I, I, I would not give it an A you know, I take that back. I'm even leaning towards almost an A plus. Mm. Like it's it's right in the borderline. Like if we went, you know, like out of a hundred, it'd be like a ninety seven, oh, ninety six, nice. ninety seven. I mean, it's it was so entertaining. The story was fantastic. The acting, the uh, I watched it in three D, and I, everything about it was so entertaining. And I will absolutely watch it again. I even thought I'm going to go watch it again in uh, in 3D before it comes out because it was so awesome in 3D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I got I saw it with Denise and just regular whatever 2D. I'm going to go this coming week to see it again in 3D for sure before it leaves the 3D uh, screens because because you told me it was you know really worth seeing in 3D and then from your uh, from what you've said about it, yeah 3D is the way to go for sure. Yeah, it was terrific watching it in 3D. Um, everything about it, and I really like the storyline, and I do like the thought that it I didn't I didn't know anything about it like didn't watch any trailers much much of it before didn't know what if it came from books or manga before or anything like that had no idea now it's the fact of doing some research and, and learning about it to talk about it on the show it's interesting to see how there's like a series of books and they I think this um Alita Battle Angel is a combination of like the first four books or something like that like um a bunch of books combined together which obviously if they're manga they might be a little shorter but I really liked the storytelling. I thought it was really, really good. And um, the action was phenomenal. I loved the action. Like, the, I, I hated, I hate action movies where the camera shakes. Like, they oh, shake yes. the camera. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, they can't direct well. They can't choreograph well. They can't do anything well. So they shake the camera to make you feel like, oh, it's moving. And they make quick, quick cuts. No, this was fluid and really, really good. I th- I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not a huge fan of, uh, is it Robert Rodriguez? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like, I'm not a fan or not a critic. Like I just, his movies are his movies. They're his, his style and take on it, but this was terrific. And partnering with James Cameron was terrific. Um, I think everything lined up. It was, I would probably give this like a, a 97. So almost an a plus. I mean, it was really good. Yeah, I'm right there with you 100%. The CG was incredible. A couple times, it, it's kind of, it's. I think it's still really difficult for them to do a CG body with like a human face. It doesn't look completely natural. But other than that, all of the environments, the background stuff, um, the bodies of the different uh, cyborgs and whatnot, everything was just killer CG. They did a good job there. And like you said, the action was phenomenal, especially that motorball scene. And oh, then the man. scene when she's just in her regular body, in regular clothes, fighting in the ball. Bar, that was awesome stuff as well yeah absolutely i um in thinking about the cg i started looking did you know that weta digital did the cg yes i saw that yes yeah. and weta knows their stuff they've got to be the best company around absolutely obviously lord of the rings and subsequent movies that they do they are such a good production company when it comes to digital i mean as watching in 3d you can definitely see hey this is not real like you your brain registers it's not a real character or whatever um but it looks so real like it looks so good i really really appreciated it 
without a doubt, I did too. It didn't take me, or I should say the CG didn't take me out of the movie all that frequently. Not like other ones. Like if you if you rewatch the Star uh, Star Wars prequels, they that CG can take you out of it real quickly. Oh my goodness, it sure can. Mm-hmm. So did you? So James Cameron, did you know that? Um, uh, apparently he his titles of his movies are usually an A or an T. I I never thought about that. Yeah, so I was just reading up on it, and so they the name of the manga series uh, is Battle Angel Alita. Well, they changed it to Alita Battle Angel, which I personally like a little better. It just flows a little better, like you know what what's like Alita is the name of the character, and then Battle Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, but so he, the uh, producer John Landau, what he said was um, he had to call it Alita Banjo Alita. Battle Angel, because James Cameron, he only does T and A movies. So, you know, we know T and A as being like a racy type. But he says most of James Cameron, his titles are A and T, like Titanic, Aliens, Terminator, Abyss, True Lies, Avatar. And so he had to make it an A or a T and it fit really well just to make it Alita. That is awesome, man. I didn't know that. Uh, I did do a little bit of research, though, and I saw that James Cameron has been interested in making this movie since the year 2000. Like, 19 years ago, he... I don't know where, but somewhere he mentioned that he was thinking about this movie. He actually bought the domain to BattleAngelAlita.com or something along those lines. Maybe it was AlitaBattleAngel.com. But he's been wanting to make it forever. Fans have been clamoring for it forever. And then back in like 2010, he announced he's going to make two more Avatar sequels instead of this. So they were a bit disappointed. But then when he brought uh, Robert Rodriguez on board to direct and he just took a backseat as a producer, they were able to push forward with it and actually get it done before the Avatar sequels, which I'm really happy they did this movie. I'm looking forward to the avatars but this movie killed it man it was awesome yeah that, that's super cool i had i had no idea that it's the um battle angel Alita manga series has been out that long it's been um i think it came out in the 90s oh my goodness wow mm-hmm. but i mean the guy's still writing i know it came out like in 2013 they had some other episode or you know um parts to it so they just, he keeps writing and putting them out yeah yep yep i think well, it's just an ongoing series yeah well super smart i mean that's definitely a way to make money <laughs> mm-hmm. you know something one thing about this movie uh a lot of movies do too much exposition they will give you a gigantic narration at the beginning to tell you what's happening in the movie to help you understand the world that, that it's set but this movie did not over explain anything at all to the audience right they basically treated you like you're smart enough to to watch this you'll have some questions in the, in the beginning but you'll realize that later on we're going to answer those questions so i really like that fact like they glossed over kind of what hunter killers were and then you see ito go uh, to the hunter killer whatever base with alita later on so you understand them more they don't explain vectors his company the role it has in the, in the city uh they don't explain who gruishka is you just find out later on that he's the ultimate assassin they don't explain who nova is who's in charge of everything and they don't explain why how people went to Mars, they started their own colony, and then there's a Mars-Earth battle. Um, I like how they don't explain it all. They just expect you to get the story, you know? I think that's great. I completely agree. You know what's rather interesting is I was um, on a hike, and it was one of the longer hikes like I told you about here in Phoenix, and I was like, you know, I got to go watch the movie because we're recording the podcast, and so I was like, I got to go, and I looked it up, and I was like 40 minutes away, drive to the the normal... um, um, theater i probably could have found one closer but i was you know i I normally go this one and it started like 10 minutes from the time i was going to get there so i drove all the way there and i missed so by the time i got there i got in my seat and i was sitting down and i sat down right when alita woke up that's when i saw so i basically missed just you know in like a 30 minute 40 minute drive like there was so many previews beforehand so i missed the initial where he goes and finds her in the dump but i grabbed that like he says that he found her in the dump and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and so what was interesting is as i was walking out i saw oh alita like regular 2d is starting right now so i stepped oh in. sweet <laughs> yeah, yeah so i stepped in and watched the first what five minutes so i got to pick all that up but you're right in the storytelling they do a good good job throughout the storytelling to help you to understand previous things that happened in history and i'm obviously really and everybody's in the same boat we really want to learn about the the uh, martians or the um yeah the mars colony Martian. whatever you call it they they gave it a name unified mars something i don't remember like republic yeah something like mm-hmm. that really really cool interesting to see but here's my thought 
and obviously they um, the right the manga writer as well as the storyline that they're going to take this on. They're going to do their best to help you to understand how the Martians got defeated. But if, if they had such advanced technology, how in the world they lose? You know, if just one yeah. can destroy everything, then why not millions and then or you know even just thousands and destroy everything that they had? Well, I thought about that too. And at some point, they talked about um, Zalem being the last floating city that was able to survive the war. And my guess is that Nova up there, he's just maybe like he's able to hack into every single cyborg down on the planet right he probably just has ultimate control of software of technology uh all that kind of stuff so he was able to with the help of his city defeat the martians or the mars colony i think i think it was all on him who defeated them like they they probably came to earth and took out every other one of the cities but nova stood strong and defeated them I'm going to be, yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how Nova is, um, or Edward Norton, how, how he is, uh, um, immortal, you know, and he just keeps, Mm -hmm. keeps living. It'll be interesting to see how that works. My guess is he's just passing his consciousness from one robotic to body to another, another. Yeah, you're right. It does seem like that, huh? That, at Mm -hmm. least that's, that's possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in the movie, I was, there was a couple different lines that really struck me that I liked a lot. So one is, and Alita says this to herself, I do not stand by in the presence of evil. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think about that? And where do you think she got that? Uh, my guess is Mars taught her that, and they potentially saw Nova and the rest of humanity as evil. Maybe they were trying to um, control the people on Mars, you know, no taxation without representation kind of a thing. And, and Mars was just tired of it and trying to fight back. So maybe she was indoctrinated in that humans are evil. Not that she sees it that way now, but when she was on Mars, you know what I mean? So that outlook is maybe still in her, in her mind. Yeah, probably. And I did like how they, um, how they told that story. They, they pieced together that story because as she's learning it, we're learning it, which is really, really cool. Did mm-hmm. you notice who the actor or actress was that was teaching Alita when she was, you know, uh, becoming the, the, the berserker um, in her flashbacks? No, I didn't. You know, there's a couple of them, but looking at her and during the movie, I thought, do I know that person? And I couldn't place it. No. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm looking it up right now. At least the uh, I didn't actually see who it was, so I'm, I'm looking it up. But um, wasn't isn't it the girl that's on um, Fast and Furious that is Dominic's uh, girlfriend, Michelle Rodriguez? Yes, it is. I just pulled it up, Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, sweet. Yep. Okay. And it looked like her, or at least it resembled her face, which is neat, mm-hmm. and then her voice definitely. So she's um, her name is Gleda G E L D A Gleda. Oh. Um, okay. In the in the movie. So yeah, that was kind of cool to see, but also the main actress for Alita, it was super neat to see how her face really, like her name's Rosa Salazar. Mm-hmm. Her face is very similar, like yeah. the, the bigger eyes, the eyebrows, and the, just the bone you know, facial structure. Really, really cool. I like that. But it, it also looks like the character in um, uh, the drawings. From the manga. Yes. Yes. Yes, I agree with you there. They did a really good job of finding somebody who kind of fit the bill looks-wise and who could play the part, you know? I mean, obviously she she tried out for the role and beat out whoever was in it and I'm sure this role had a lot of physicality. Of course, uh the body that we see moving around on the screen is all CG, but my guess is they do it just like every other kind of CG character nowadays. You have an actor in there um with the dots on their body and you know, they're, they're photographing you and then they animate your character based on how your body's acting. So she pulled it off action wise as well. I think Rosa Salazar did. Oh, definitely. And I was, it was interesting. So I like going back after watching the movie since I don't watch the the commercials or um, mm-hmm. the trailers, the trailer, or anything about it. Cause I want to be as surprised as possible. Um, I went back and watched a couple things and there was one where in the casting of Alita, Rosa Salazar went and read for for the for the the character or the part with Robert Rodriguez, and the reason why he picked her, Robert Rodriguez picked her for a number of different things. But one of the things that kind of obviously stands out because they make an emphasis, a point that in the reading, it's never happened to Robert Rodriguez before. But he literally cried when she was done with the reading, like she was oh. that effective. And he cried or teared up or something. And so it's like, wow. And I thought she did a fantastic job. I, I really think she did a great job in this part. 
I agree with you 100% down with that. And it, it must have been one of those scenes between, like, during the, the audition, must have been between her and Hugo or her and Dr. Ito's character. Some of those emotional moments that we had with uh, Alita. Yeah. So what was your... Oh, let me, before I get that, there's one other statement that I that struck me. And you'll understand why it struck me. But um, the Vector, is that his name? The main... Yeah. Mahershala Ali. Yeah. So his statement, and it's in the trailer, um, he says, I'd rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. That's interesting to me. What's your take on it? Oh, yeah. That's what that's how a lot of bad guys will feel. You know, they would rather be in charge of a bad area as opposed to, yeah, serving others in a good area. You know what I mean? They want to be in charge. They want to dominate others. They want to uh, push their will upon other people, you know, and that's what he is right there. Yeah. And obviously using his um, situation, scenario where he's on earth there, the heaven, like that would be hell and up in heaven would be, um, I guess, metaphorically the, um, what's that place called? The floating city? What's, what was it called? Um, sort of I just B. said it. It's not Zion. It's uh, Z- Z- Fudge. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in this scenario, I can see that because he is able to rule, but that statement, because I'm a, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a Christian. And it, it, my point of view is if, if you take that even more, you know, further, who's to say that that's your option to actually rule in hell? Like it's either serve in heaven or rule in hell. And in my opinion, it's like, those aren't your options. Like ruling in hell, like literally hell, like once you die, cause it's a proven fact, hundred percent of the people die. Everybody will die. Um, that that's not an option. So that's why it struck me. I was like, that's not an option that you even have if it were hell. But I understand, completely understand the scenario of being saying this is hell on earth and that's where they're living. And yeah. as I thought about that, I was like, man, I, I don't even know putting myself in his position or any one of their positions, um, taking aside what I've just said, um, in their positions, you don't even know what it's like to serve up there in heaven. It might be a billion times better than ruling in hell. You know what I mean? True that. And just to go along with that, uh, two, well, two things real quick, just to, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Two things real quick. It's called Zalem, not Zion, Zalem. And the second thing is he's deluding himself when he's talking about ruling in hell because three times, at least twice, but probably three times, Nova controlled him in the movie. So I can't remember who he said that line to that you're talking about, but he's lying to them about ruling hell. Um, and, then, and he's lying to himself, too, at the same time, because Nova obviously has him under his thumb. He's definitely being controlled. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Cool. OK, so what is your favorite scene in the movie? You know, it was it was pretty tough. It's one of two different scenes. Uh, the first one being just the motorball scene. It came towards the end, you know, third act of the movie. That was just incredible how she was just maneuvering, taking out all those guys that was trying to take her out. I also like the fact that she thought everything was all hunky-dory. We're just going for a race. And then, you know, she looks around and after Ido tells her they're going to kill you, she looks around and actually looks at their faces and they obviously have murderous intent on their faces. So it was a pretty cool scene altogether. Um, and, uh, um, and the other scene I really liked was fighting Gruishka in the bar, as well as just the whole bar scene, trying to rally the hunter killers around going to fight Gruishka. I just, I love that entire scene. I, I, yes, I, that was my favorite scene was in the bar. And obviously Mm. all the action scenes are terrific. Really, really enjoyed it. I did like how, um, well, I, I would say I did like it because the storyline fit really well and it played along really well. I just wish that we would have lo- saw a little bit more about that downed uh, Martian ship. You know, yeah. something like that was really quick and in and out and just got the body. But it, it was effective. Like you didn't leave a whole lot. It just made me wish I knew more about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So definitely, and there's so much more along that learning more about Mars, learning more about that ship, learning more about um, the Zalem up above. That can all be done in movies two, three, and four. You know. Absolutely. And um, I'm definitely going to watch when they put out a second one because you know it's going to come out. You're expecting like the movie's over, but it's like I didn't get enough. It's already been two yep. hours, but like what? what? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's since I when? Was. I mean, it's not that often that a movie leaves you wanting a lot more. I remember the last time I really remember that feeling was watching The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, the first one, because, you know, now they're split up. Merry and Pippin have been taken by the orcs. Uh, Sam and Frodo are off by themselves. And then uh, Aragorn and them are going to go save. You know what I mean? Like the whole group is split up but nothing's been resolved i wanted so much more and it was so hard to wait another year for that next movie you know 
Absolutely. I loved that when we watched Lord of the Rings, like my jaw was like on the ground. What? I got to wait to see yeah. what's going to happen. Not even with um, the Marvel, the, the Captain, or sorry, uh, Avengers movie number four, or with, with four coming out. Like that was good. Like I, I want to see what happened, but it did, it left you like it's a, a, it was a final blow. Like they're done. This one is like, there's so much more. Does that make sense? Like there's, yeah. there's more coming, even though we know Marvel's going to have more coming. It just this, just like Lord of the Rings, it leaves you really hanging. Like, oh man, I want to see her destroy that place. One hundred percent, I do want to see that. I, well, I don't want to see her really destroy it. I want to see her take down Nova and maybe open it up to the people down below to some prosperity from up above. You know? Yeah. And so uh, I'm going to say one thing, but I'm going to get back get to my favorite scene. So I don't uh-huh. forget. Um, let's talk about her coming for coming out out of the dump, but coming from um, the 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 floating city. Um, whatever the name is. I can't make I always forget it. Zalem. Um, Zalem. Okay. So Zalem starts with a Z, not a, not a V or anything. Okay. So Zalem. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. Her coming from there, um, which is rather interesting part of the story. We have no clue, but my favorite scene definitely is the bar scene. That was so cool because you can tell she's coming into herself. She's understanding who she is and she now knows what she wants to do and needs to do. And really, really love how she goes in there and obviously everybody under, underestimates her, um, if not anything, like insignificant. Like they're not even underestimating, like who's this little pipsqueak. Um, but you get to see her literally just take charge. And my favorite actual like clip or like two seconds was when, who's that guy with the mohawk? Like she cuts off his face. What was his name? Oh, Ed Skrine is the actor's name. Um, from Deadpool, of course, and uh, the character was Zapan, Zapan, maybe. Okay, Zapan. There you go, Zapan. So Zapan's, you know, he's all talking, he's all showboaty, and you know, a pretty boy, and all that sort of stuff. Then he grabs her, and literally, like a flash of an eye, she grabs his arm, twists him, grabs his face, slams it into the table. That yes. was fantastic, incredible, huh? Loved it. You didn't that reminds. That. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you just did not expect that. Mm-hmm. And then, boom! And obviously it's in the trailer, so you might see it coming. I completely forgot that. So as I'm watching the movie, like, oh, yeah! <laughs> yeah, ah, oh, totally. And it reminded me, that's been a move I've seen in a couple movies now. And I recently, I, 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 I remember it mostly from the latest season of Daredevil, when... Um, he's fighting in the prison. He grabs a guy by the collar and pulls him down. The guy slams his face down into the ground. So that kind of move has been, we've been seeing it a little bit more and more in movies. I don't know the first one that did it, but that's just an incredible move that you don't often see. Oh, maybe it was from like a movie like Raid Redemption when there's so much fighting and stuff. And just the idea that you're grabbing somebody by the collar and slamming their head into the ground. It's it's an awesome move. Yeah, absolutely. I mm-hmm. honestly, I think I've seen in like older movies, like in the eighties, there there's been like where the guy grabs his head and slams in the ground, something like that. Um, um, yeah. Anyways, super cool. So yeah. before we get to Zalem, her coming from Zalem, but one other one thing I want to quickly bring up is how many hero landings did you see in the movie? I truly didn't. I didn't, I didn't notice any, I'm sure there were some, but nothing pulled me out of it and said, Oh, hero landing. Got it. Yeah. Yes. It, it they did it well enough to where it didn't, um, uh, make you focus on it, Good. but because there's so many other things going on at the same time and all that. Yeah. But I think I counted four or five hero landings. I, oh, I want to really? say there was one that was really close where she was, her leg was completely out to the side, which I would say is considered a hero landing. But yeah, so there, I'm just really hoping that directors get out of the hero landing. It's been done so, so much. Yeah. And I would really like to see them get away from that. So for sure. And yeah. like you said, the biggest reason is because it pulls you right out of the movie and you think he landing exactly like oh that's so impractical on the knees yep. <laughs> like, <that's laughs> yep. my first thought I, oh, it hurt, that, that just hurts your knees and mm-hmm. obviously getting that from deadpool <laughs> yeah yep yep so thinking of her coming and just storyline just pontificating about the storyline of her not having a memory being literally thrown away so number one she's 300 plus years old number she, one she's up there number two she's there for 300 years uh, four. She after being there three hundred years, her memory gets swiped. She actually gets torn up and gets thrown in the garbage. All that sort of stuff. That's a whole storyline in itself. It is, but you are. It sounds like you're assuming that she was actually up in Salem, living and doing things. Mm. My take on it was that 
she and all of her teammates that were running up those cables to try to take Zalem, um, I think they all fell from those cables and she was torn up and chewed up and she's been down there in the trash heap for 300 years and nobody has just found her until he found her. That's that's my take on it, but it could be totally different and she's been up there as a puppet of Nova's and then he fell out of favor. Maybe she broke down and he discarded her. There's two different things, but I think they fell while attacking. The one big flaw to that is it's a garbage heap. She would be buried at the bottom. And so I don't see how that, you know, that that would play out. But it very well could be. So the reason why I say that I, she, I believe she was up there. Number one, they said it a couple times. You know, or um, her boyfriend said, you're from up there. You've seen it. Oh, I just well, don't remember. He's just assuming because they found her in the trash heap that she's from up there. I agree. And so the reason why I was saying is that I believe that they're alluding to that fact that she oh. came up there. But the big thing is she would literally be buried at the bottom of the trash heap because it just keeps piling up. Uh, yeah, but you probably have a ton of scavengers just like Dr. Ito going in there. So I, you, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, but we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with that okay. aspect of the so story. So you're going to, you're going to say, oh, Dusty, you were right. She lived up there the whole time. <laughs> Possibly. I doubt it, but I, I, uh, that's a possibility. All right, cool. So, um, I want to talk about the prop that even though there were so many really cool things, I absolutely loved, and I love watching, okay, in the uh, History Channel, there's a TV show called Forged in the Fire. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. Super, super fun to watch. It's basically four blacksmiths come together, and they have three hours to create a knife or a blade, and then another three hours to create the handle, finish it up, sharpen it, all all that sort of stuff, and it's a competition. And eventually, two come out as the winners. And each show, it's this, it's they, they do the whole competition every time. And the two come out as winners. They have the best blade, the best, like, they, they use it to chop things, to test the strength. They test the, uh, the um, cutting ability, the killing ability. All that stuff. They test all that. And then they go away for five days at their own home forge, create a uh, just a, a phenomenal sword that was like in history or a javelin or just any type of um, metal that's sharpened to, to hurt somebody. But and do so, they make one in their own forge that that's exact copy of the one that they made in that short time span? So in a longer time, we get to see how just how much better they can do it? No. So Oh, they make they go and make something totally different? Totally different. Oh. And it is something from history. So they'll say like they they'll have it over um the knife or a sword or whatever it is, the weapon, under a cloth, and they say, Okay, this is what you're gonna now make. And he pulls off the cloth and they say, The Japanese katana. You have to go and make one of these from home at your home for five days. You have five days to make this katana or the um, French rapier or, you know, basically they have they have and they have so many episodes, but they have so many different types of swords and knives and daggers and axes and all that sort of stuff, which is super fun to watch. Like one, they made the um, the Braveheart side, the, the double-edged um, big um, broadsword. broadsword. Yeah, they made things like that. So that's really, really fun. So I love watching them and then seeing them make a Damascus blade. Do you know what the Damascus blade, what that actually is? No. So there's a region in Israel or like, like, um, in that, the middle East, um, area called Damascus. And it was back in the old Testament. The name Damascus definitely comes about, but anyways, all that to say the Damascus blade is where they take many, many layers of, of metal. So let's say they have a big, long, just imagine, um, three feet long of metal that is about um, half an inch or, or even uh, narrower in length and maybe an inch wide. So they cut into many, many, many pieces, let's say 20 pieces, and then they stack those all up, weld them all together. So it's like a brick now. Then they mash, they heat it up, mash it down, spread it out again to what's another, you know, like a foot, two feet long, cut it up again, then make it. So they make layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of this metal and it comes out in the design and it makes the the blade even stronger because they have so many layers. They push that 
all those molecules so hard to and compact together. That's a Damascus blade. So when you see a Damascus blade, and we'll put it in the show notes here, um, a Damascus blade, you can see it because the pattern of the the layers, it's so beautiful. It Like the metal is not all shiny and perfect. And, and you can see the ridges and the, the effects of the metal as, it's, as it bends around with the blade. It's super awesome. And so I love all that. It's just fun watching that. And I think Damascus blades are absolutely beautiful. And so when I saw that the uh, whatever his name is had a Damascus blade, I'm like, sweet. Hopefully that's going to be a part of the movie. And uh, then and in the end, she has it. She has a Damascus blade. It's a part of her. That's her, basically her blade. And so I would want that Damascus blade. Nice, man. I totally understand that. And uh, when I watched the trailer afterwards, they show her using the the Damascus blade in the trailer, and so that's kind of a it's kind of a bummer that you know it's earlier in the movie you see Zap Zapan holding it, but then you know already that it's going to be her blade eventually. Um, yeah. So kind of a spoiler there, you know, from the trailer. But yeah, I really like that's a really good idea, and I knew you were going to choose that one, so I chose for my movie prop the um. Dr. Ito's boosted hammer, the one with that power so you can swing it even faster and give more power to it. So I would take that gigantic six foot, seven foot long hammer. That was super creative. The power, like the, the, the booster to make it more powerful. That was super creative. I like Mm -hmm. that. Yep. So I, I also like when they were in the bar scene where they were fighting and, and she sees the Damascus blade and she goes, you don't deserve this weapon. And I was like, wow, that is fantastic. I love that. That was great calling him out on his on his big time swagger. You know, he's not really the uh, the good guy that he thinks he is or the tough guy, you know. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Good. Good. So. Oh, so so speaking of that whole scene in the bar and then the fight with Gruishka afterwards, uh, my Monday morning quarterback is that Gruishka. Those were just dogs coming at you. You're big and strong. You should be able to rip them in half one at a time. And he can do that with just one eye. You know, there's no need to run away when your quarry's right there. You've practically beaten her. Um, all she has is an arm minus a hand because the hand is in your eye right now. Um, he should have stayed and finished her off. I think he could have. Well, finish her off or just literally pick her up, rip off that one arm. And so she doesn't have any arms. Yeah. And then run and just with run her. with her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're that's, right. That's but that's my Monday morning quarterback. Those dogs shouldn't have been a problem for him. Oh, did you see who the dog owner was? Absolutely. The lawnmower man. Yep. Jeff Fahey. That's right. Yeah. Yep, yep. I've, I've, I've always liked him since the lawnmower man, a few other movie appearances, but then he was the helicopter pilot in Lost. And I always like seeing him in these little roles in movies. Yeah, hopefully he'll have a little bigger role because I liked how he helped out in the end and he came down and, you know, oh, he wasn't a dog lover and I hate that. And I thought, yeah. And so he may come have a you know a bigger um, role or a part in the next parts of the, the, the movies. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, me too. What was your Monday morning quarterback? My Monday morning quarterback comes down to Ito and his wife. So obviously it's very tragic that their daughter was killed by this, um, you know, the uh, cyborg. Um, that was really, really chad- tragic. But that should not, even though it's horrible, should not have broken up their their marriage and their future. Because that when the wife went off, and like that's uh, a lot of the problems are because of what the wife was doing. And, you know, helping because she just wants to get back up there. Like, that's the most important thing to her. And then she finally realizes at the end, what I want is not up there. She wants her daughter back is really what it comes back. She wants her daughter back. And what I want is not up there. And so she obviously gets her brain taken out, her eyeballs and all that sort of stuff. Um, She'll probably come back. And, oh, it's Jennifer Connelly. Um, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. She was super fun to watch in um, movies growing up. Um, and she, for as rail skinny thin as she is, I was like, Oh my goodness, what do you, you got to eat something like <laughs> that's, you look so skinny. It's not, uh, it looks yeah, a little for the past, you're unhealthy. right. 10 or 15 years or something. Every role she's in, she is super skinny. I'm like that just seems unhealthy to me, mm-hmm. but anyways, Oh, well. Um, but yeah, so if she would not have let that destroy her marriage, um, obviously, Ido said, you know, he probably had a part in it and, you know, all that sort of stuff, which I completely agree. Um, you know, you, you need to save your marriage. And God forbid anything happened to any of our kids or anybody else's kids. God forbid that actually happened. Um, 
letting that break up your marriage will make everything even more worse. Like it's just, it's, it's not helping anything. So anyways, that was, that's my money morning quarterback. If she wouldn't have done that, there probably so many other things would have been better and they would not be in the situation now where they are trying to, she has to, um, yeah, either fight with or be against the, uh, um, what's the main bad guy's name? The, and the tower Nova Nova. Yes. You know, all that sort of stuff like that whole scenario would not play out. So it'd be a totally different scene. Yeah, it would be 100%. I agree with that. Well, uh, what was your uh, first lesson? So my first lesson is absolutely easiest. One comes from the bar fight scene and love this in any movie. We love underdogs, um, in any movie, but don't underestimate anyone. Like literally anyone, it's very easy to do, especially if they're tiny like her and you're a big bad dude that has killed many, many people. You got a Damascus blade, but you underestimate them. You don't expect what they're going to do to destroy you. Or even if they can't destroy you, they can catch you off guard and, you know, maybe win just because you were so arrogant. Absolutely. That was actually my second lesson. I agree with you 100%. I mean, everybody from Vector and Zapan, everybody underestimated her. And, you know, this happens in life too all the time. You know, two football teams go head to head and one is clearly better than the other. Well, the underdog, they need to figure out ways that they can win. You, as the favorite in the match, uh, you know, you just can't see a way that you can lose. So you're not working as hard as those underdogs. So when you're underestimated, when you are the underdog, you have to work harder to win. And I think that can can, uh, that can really set your opponent back when they underestimate you. That's a great point. I've seen so many uh, sports teams who are absolutely the fair favorite and on paper, they look fantastic and they destroyed other, other teams that are better, like um, two teams that are playing against each other in this one game. And the one team has beat every other team that this other team has lost to. Like they're literally the underdogs. Like they're, they're O and nine and the other team's like 10 and O or nine and O and they beat every team. And so they literally should destroy them, but they overlook them. They don't try mm-hmm. as hard. It's the people, it's the underdogs, not saying Alita, but just underdogs in general. Like you said, they have to try so much harder. They have to make a way to win as opposed to the other guys like, eh, they could think I got this in the bag. Let's think about the next game and hit, prepare for them. Yep, exactly. 100% right along with you there. So what's your first lesson? Uh, appearances can be deceiving, right? It kind of goes along with never underestimate your, underestimate your opponent. But at the same time, you see somebody like Alita, like you said, she looks tiny, she looks harmless, but then she unleashes her Panzerkunst fighting style and her small frame is able to take off Gruishka's arm or able to, you know, beat him in the future when uh, at that final fight scene, all she has is a sword, but her superior skills just cut off his fingers. And you know what I mean? Just appearances can be deceiving, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love how now, now a a lot of these dystopian movies now, for some reason, have to have a female as being the, um, you know, the heroine in, in it. So for some reason, that's just the way that it's written, even though this was started written in the 1990s, but nowadays it's even much more. And so this is definitely a dystopian, um, uh, environment or universe and so but yeah with being a female it makes it even more like your appearance is like it's a tiny little girl you know it's a flea like what's his name um uh, karusha was actually you know saying it's a, it's a little flea come over here little flea and so mm-hmm. yeah the appearances definitely get deceiving yeah, for sure. And, you know, speaking of Grishka, I didn't, I had no idea that was Jackie Earl Haley until the uh, credits for it. Wait, you just, ja- you can't Jackie tell Ear- by looking at his face. Who is that? I don't remember who that is. What's his, what is he playing? Uh, he played Kelly in the Bad News Bears. Um, he was Rorschach in. You're kidding me. I looked it he- up. What? Yep, that's Jackie Earl Haley. He was in the latest RoboCop movie. Um, he was Rorschach. Yeah. Uh, he's been in tons of different things. He and played a, Freddy Krueger in a remake in the 2000s. So. And he's a tiny dude, and he made, yeah. played Garish. That's fantastic. I love that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got a great voice for it, and I really like him as an actor. I just, I had no idea that was him. I would have never put him, put his face, I would have never attached him to Garishka. Yeah. Another actor I really like, Christopher Waltz. I, I think he is a fantastic actor. 100%. He's amazing. He is. I loved his beard in um, Django. Django I, Unchained, yep. Django, yes. Um, fantastic beard. His mustache came out. I mean, I, I was like, I love that. I want to grow my out. I, so, I, you know, mine is actually pretty out right now, but my wife hates it when I actually turn the mustache up. She, like, you know, <laughs> threatens to cut it off in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping. But you got to <laughs> say, hey, baby, I'm Doc Holliday. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So Christopher Waltz, everything that he plays, I just think he is terrific in it. Mm-hmm. And this Keen Johnson for Hugo, I don't believe I've ever seen him playing anything before. I mean, he probably has, but I just haven't noticed him. Yeah, I thought he did a good job though, and I I I was down for the love story between the two of them. Uh, yeah. It it worked for me. You know, we had a lot of moments where they're together, where their relationship you can kind of see it developing, uh, and I was down with the love story. Yeah, yeah, everything about it was, and the acting I thought they did a, a phenomenal job. Now you okay? So think of um, think about the movies. Okay, this is movie that's played in the future. Obviously, I think it was like 20, uh, 2850 or something like that. Many, many years from now, hundreds and hundreds of years from now. <laughs> you remember like RoboCop? Do you remember watching RoboCop and it was set in like 20 years later and it was supposed to yeah. be, you know, like it came out like 1985 and it was supposed to be like 2002. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, in 2002, they were going to be flying, uh, you know, instead of driving and all that sort of stuff. So now I guess the writers and directors of movie guys got wise and said, you know what? We need to make it like hundreds and hundreds of years out to not make us look kind of foolish. Exactly. Yep. They do that now. You're right. Cool. So what is your uh, second or second lesson? I think we're on. Yeah. It's the second lesson is exactly what she says or what Alita says. Don't sit by in the presence of evil. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's obviously sometimes it gets to be even harder where you're actually going to die, which is even worse. But the so in my own personal stance or my own belief is number one, I protect my family and I make sure that they're taken care of. So if we're in a crowded area and there's somebody, some idiot that's doing something stupid, that's like literally killing people or whatever, I get my family away. And then as I do that, then once they're clear, then I go help. Um, that's my number one priority is take care of them. Um, because if I don't take care of them, what's the point of anything else? And so, um, yeah, that's my, my, uh, second lesson. Don't sit by in the presence of evil. Yeah. I love that lesson. And thankfully I've never had to make some kind of a crazy decision, life or death, life or death decision in the face of evil like that. But, um, you know, you would just like to think if it does come down to that, you, that you do the right thing, take care of the family first and then go take care of the issue, you know? Okay, so did you we, we didn't get to your third lesson yet, did we? No, no. My third lesson is don't bite the hand that feeds you. And <laughs> I really liked in the bar scene when all the hunter warriors they knew they they know this rule. And as soon as Edo came in and said, Hey, no more free repairs unless you stop right now, they all stopped fighting. And that was great. And and I use that same thing with my kids, you know. Um if when when it comes to like maybe some disobedience, not following rules and stuff, I let them know, hey, I'm the one that gives you all these privileges. I'm the one that buys candy and soda. Uh, I'm the one that buys you video games and, and that kind of thing. I can choose to not do this anymore if you don't follow along with the rules, you know? Nice. Mm-hmm. I completely and wholeheartedly agree with that. Good job. Yeah. Okay. Lesson number three from me is don't do things that your girlfriend would disapprove of. Ah, yeah, Hugo. Where does that take place? Or what is, oh, Hugo. Oh, with Hugo. Hugo, absolutely Hugo. He realizes that what he's doing, he's taking apart cyborgs, and that's what his, his girlfriend is, and she's not going to take too kindly to that. And yep. obviously he's not killing them, but still, you're taking from somebody. It's stealing. You're literally stealing from somebody. Obviously it's a, um, what, kill or be killed or dog-eat-dog world down there, which I, I completely understand. But, I mean, when you're stealing from somebody, even though you're not killing them, uh, your girlfriend's going to disapprove. And so yep. don't do things that your girlfriend would disapprove of. Totally. I like that one right there. And I, I did like how that just set up, you know, he obviously was doing this stuff way before he met her. And I like how that little, um, what, what, what would you call it? Um, foreshadow? Not foreshadow. Or not, yeah. Just the conflict, the natural conflict about what you were doing before you met somebody and now how she would disapprove of that. I like how he went to his friend and tried to stop doing it anymore, tried to get him to stop it because it's not the right way. He he learned, you know, he grew as a character through his uh, dealings with Alita by falling in love with her and he decided to change his, his ways. You know, I like that for the character. Yeah, and I, the reason why I said foreshadowing was because um, of him, Hugo, realizing what he did is actually causing the downfall for Alita. Like, it's a really bad person. So him taking that arm that shoots out those chains with those nails, mm-hmm. that is what's actually making Alita have so many problems. If the guy didn't have that, he she would just destroy him. But yeah. that weapon is what's really helping. Um, so, uh, help, you know, hurting him and uh, hurting her and helping him. So I got one fourth lesson. So at the very, very beginning, Hugo tells Alita that 
Um, having a, a gun, a firearm, is a punishable offense by death. And so the fourth lesson is do not give up the Second Amendment. As soon as you give up your right to own and bear arms and actually have rights to or a, a firearm or something to protect yourself, like you're, I, I literally have my firearms to protect my family. And I'm a law-abiding citizen. If you take away guns from law-abiding citizens, citizens, well, who's going to have the guns? It's the non-law-abiding, the criminals. They're going to be the ones that have the guns. And so anyways, uh, when I saw that, I just like light bulb. I was like, do not give up the right to have the ability to protect yourself. Yep, 100%. That is a great lesson right there. And it's really fitting in the times that we live in now, too, in the in the U.S. Yeah. Cool deal. Well, I think we covered everything I want to discuss. Anything, any last minute things, Dust? No, no. And uh, well, one thing I would say, though, is you'll tell by the length of our podcast if we like the movie a lot or a little. And so if a podcast is uh, rather shorter, like 35 minutes, we're like, yeah, okay, we can move on. <laughs> but if it's yeah. like 50 minutes, we're like, dude, we really liked it. We got to talk about it. And yeah. this, this is why we started the podcast is because we loved talking about movies or TV shows or things that we liked. And we would talk about it. And we just sit on the phone and talk about it. And so like, hey, what, what better is to share with everybody else uh, the enjoyment that we have and also hear back from them, you know, either on the um, on our blog, on our Facebook page, you know, responding back and seeing what they like, what they didn't like and agreeing or disagreeing, what lessons they learned, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. For sure. I could not say that better myself. Alrighty. So let's see here. Uh, this week, this movie was your choice. Next week, I want to hit another movie coming out in theaters this Friday. It's called How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. What do you think about that? Yes, I am down. My kids love part one and part two. They absolutely love it. And then my girls are super excited to see the, um, not the Night Fury. What was the other one? The um, Light Fury or something like that. The, the white, the female I don't know fury. what it's going to be called. I haven't seen previews, so. So there's a female fury. You know, there's the okay. black fury, the toothless, and then there's a now a female fury. And so my 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 girls are super excited to see that. But yeah, they love that show. And I remember when the first one came out, I really liked it. It was a good storyline, very creative, very awesome. And so the second one was good too. And so I'm definitely down. Let's go see it. Cool beans. So we will be doing that next week, everybody. And of course, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Um, and uh, of course, now that you know how we feel about it, like Dusty had just mentioned, we do want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your thoughts on what you thought about the movie, any life lessons that you took away, all that jazz. Just visit the show notes page at watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 36. Alrighty then, my name was Sky. And this is Dusty. And we will return next week with How to Train Your Dragons, The Hidden World. Mm-hmm.